Coming up on today's show, we take a look back at the weekend's action where Birmingham travelled to Manchester City. We also discuss the prospect of a Birmingham and Aston Villa derby in the top flight. All of this and more on today's Great and 68 podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the only dedicated Birmingham City Ladies podcast, Great Sin 68, brought to you as always by damsandpartdames.co.uk. I'm Craig Hadley and I'm joined by the returning Chris Pugh. How have you been, Chris? Good evening, Craig. Not too bad yourself? Yeah, I've been good, thank you. Did you have a nice holiday? Yeah, not too bad. Nice and relaxing, thank you. We start this week's show then by looking back at Birmingham's 3-1 defeat to last year's WSL1 champions Manchester City. It turned out to be a very frustrating Sunday afternoon for the Blues after conceding two goals in injury time. Ellen White, still not fit, missed the City game. Rachel Williams started up front. Lucy Quinn opened the scoring after seven minutes. Demi Stokes had a good first half for City, meanwhile. At half-time, the score was 1-0 to Birmingham. Georgia Stanway came on for Mel Lawley after 65 minutes. Shortly after that, the first penalty incident, which involved Paige Williams taking down Nikita Paris. Isabel Christensen scored the goal for an equaliser for City. Then Keris Harrop was sent off for kicking out at Stanway. We'll go over that shortly. Then City scored their second. Megan Campbell throw-in, long throw, brought into the box with Jen Beattie heading on into the net. And the final goal was Anne Katrenberger bringing down Stanway and Christensen scoring a second penalty for City. I spoke to Aoife Mannion following the game and this is what she had to say. Really gutting at the way they ended the 1-0 league for so long in the game and, and you know we had a few few crucial decisions in the game that, that didn't go our way and we weren't we weren't able to hang on to the leads and it's ended up 3-1 so we're really disappointed. Up until about 60 minutes or so we gave everything and it looked like we were going to hang on and stuff. It's obviously key moments changed the game towards the end. Yeah, definitely. We were doing really well. Then Keris got sent off and that, you know, that put a lot of pressure on us. Obviously, we went down to 10 men and we were kind of hanging on to the game then. And it, I thought that, you know, our efforts warranted more points than we got in, in the end. But still think there's lots of positives to take. Obviously, at the moment, we're really disappointed, but we'll build on this for the next game on Thursday. During the time we were on top, obviously, the passing was really good. It's probably one of the best I've seen Birmingham this season. Do you, do you think it's getting better every week? Definitely. It's something that Mark tries to instill in us. He you know, he has a, a great emphasis on dominating the ball and dominating possession. And, and, you know, as you can see here, the pitch is so nice and that definitely helps. First of all then, Chris, have you seen the highlights since you got back? Yes, I saw the highlights. I was back on Sunday, but obviously it was Blues Villa with the men's side, so I was at that one. We'll be talking about Aston Villa and Birmingham later on as we discuss the potential chances of a second City derby in the women's game in the future. But now we're back to the Man City game. First incident was obviously the goal for Lucy Quinn. It was a fantastic curling effort from just outside the box after Rachel Williams closed down uh, Ellie Roebuck in the City goal. What did you think of the goal, Chris? Typical Rachel Williams. You know, she chases down everything. Nothing's a lost cause when Rachel's in the side. And as the ball's passed back to the keeper, she's closed her down really well and managed to force the error. And then Horton's clearance isn't very good afterwards as well. It was a bit rushed. And Lucy's in the perfect place to pick it up. But, you know, she's still got a lot to do from there. And and to finish in the way she did right in the top corner was magnificent. From where I was sitting uh, about halfway, the ball seemed like it was going completely wide of the goal. And Roebuck clearly thought so. It started towards the corner flag, I think, <laughs> and then it just kept bending and bending and bending. But yeah, it was a brilliant finish from Lucy. That's a couple of goals now she scored. 
so she's settling into the side really well absolutely and if you can see lucy uh, quinn's goal if you go to um i believe it's on the dams and park dames uh, twitter account at dams and park dames we've got a poll running currently for goal of the month and lucy quinn is one of those four that we've selected for obvious reasons i think that'll be a, f- a firm favorite this month craig yeah i would say so but I, I wouldn't try and sway the vote yeah try and sway the vote influence the people but just go out and watch the video and see what you think so that in the first half i mentioned earlier demi stokes her battle with um lucy quinn was fabulous uh, to watch two very rapid wide players the battle between them trying to go up and down the wings was incredible to watch yeah i think that's one of city's strengths especially last season when they had bronze the other side as well we felt this in the fa cup final as well that both fullbacks can bomb forward at will. Obviously, Stokes an England regular international, so she's got a lot of quality down that left-hand side. She's very fit and athletic, and she can get up and down regularly. And I think Lucy's job to get forward and to try and to try and take her on restricted Stokes getting forward as well. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Demi Stokes did get uh, the better hand on a couple of occasions, but it was fairly equal given that Lucy Quinn's just come to the club and Demi Stokes is established player at Man City. After that, of course, as I mentioned, Birmingham went half-time 1-0. I expected in the second half that Man City to come out after being given a word, but you'd expect that from a team of Man City's quality. Of course, yeah. Birmingham obviously held out really well. It was about 75 minutes when it all started going wrong, but up until that point, Birmingham was playing the ball around really well. Man City struggling to get the ball themselves, and when they did get the ball, they were making mistakes, and it was pretty impressive to see Birmingham rattle them as much as they did. It's a sign of where we are at the moment. You know, if if you speak to Mark, he'll tell you the same, that probably with the exception of Chelsea, who look like they're just going to steamroller everybody this season, we're a match for anybody. We we should have got something out of the Arsenal game away from home, the first game of the season, apart from a dubious penalty decision towards the end. And the same here at City. You know, we've gone to we've gone to the side that currently hold all three domestic trophies, and with the 15 minutes left, we've we've more than matched them by all accounts. We've more than held our own, and we're one nil up. And you know, as we'll discuss shortly, the the penalty incident bar that. If it wasn't for that, if that's not given, then City only get more rattled and more panicky and, and we might go on to win the game. Yeah, as you said, could have got something out of the Arsenal game, probably should have done. Man City yeah. again, we played well and until certain key decisions came up, then we were more than matching Man City and they're two of the top teams that are going to be up there this season, along with obviously Chelsea, who are going to be above and beyond everyone at the moment. I believe one of the turning points was when Georgia Stanway came on for Mel Lawley because, rightly or wrongly, she was at the heart of every single key decision that went on after that point. City's first goal to get the equaliser was obviously the penalty. From where I saw, I jumped up, I thought it wasn't a penalty. And then, obviously, on the replay, you saw the suggestion of a push from uh, Georgia Stanway on Paige Williams that obviously distorted the way she was going to go in for the tackle and went over the ball and missed it and took out Nikita Paris. 100%. 100%. If it wasn't for the push and Paige just made that foul on Paris, then 100% it's a penalty. But you can't ignore three seconds earlier the fact that Stanway's nudged into Paige and, and Paige is already on her way down. So she's out of control trying to tackle Paris and that's because of the foul from Stanway. And for me, it's an obvious foul. It's, it's not a difficult one either. It's another very iffy decision that we've been on on the uh, receiving end of, unfortunately. I didn't see the push as much when in real time when I was watching the game from the yeah. stands, but in, on the replay you can you can clearly see she puts her hands on her. After that, things took a further turn. 
Originally, it was a foul on uh, Keris Harrop, the captain. Stanway, high foot. It looked like she caught her later. She clears the ball. Keris reacted in the wrong manner, and she took a kick at her when she's on the floor, Stanway. You could tell one of those moments when you see something happening and you know you've got no power to stop it, and you just <laughs> yeah. see it. It's going to happen. You know what's coming, yeah. You can see, you can see the anger distort on the face. You know something's happening, and then she, she gives her a proper kick, and then you, you know the referee's only got one option then. She has got no option but to send Keris off for kicking out. But again, on the other hand, you know it's a, it's a game of such fine margins. You're looking at you're looking at the space of two or three seconds between every incident. Both these incidents we're talking about, and if the referee deals with it properly, then then Keris might not be kicking out. We're fans, aren't we? I know how frustrated I was at the end of the Arsenal game that we'd been sawn off by the referee, if you like. And I'm sure the players were feeling that as well. And after all the the near misses against Man City that we've been suffering, and then with 15 minutes to go, we get, in my opinion, in probably the players' opinion as well, we've been sawn off again. You know, the frustration is there for all to see. And two minutes later, the one who fouled Paige goes in pretty dangerously. You know, I'm not saying she's a she's a nasty player or or anything like that, but. It's a pretty dangerous tackle, and if the referee blows up straight away and rushes over to stop anything happening afterwards, then Keris might not get the opportunity to, to lash out. It's a really unfortunate event. As captain, maybe she should know a bit better and, and to keep her emotions in check, but I certainly, as a fan, I, I can't say that I'd have done anything differently, to be fair, because it's, it's just pure frustration when you feel injustice has been done and Keris has, has lashed out with frustration, but... She'll be a miss over the next three games, but she certainly hasn't hasn't gone down in my estimations or anything. No, and she and credit to her uh, later in the evening after the game, she um, released a statement on uh, Twitter, and this is what she had to say. Sorry to everyone at Birmingham City, especially the fans, for my error today. In the heat of the moment, I will learn from it and come back stronger. Keep right on. Credit to her for coming out and saying that. She didn't have to come and say anything after that. She knew she'd bought over what she'd done, and credit to her for putting her hands up about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, if it was me, I, I'd have been off Twitter for the next three days. I think you know, trying to calm myself down. But she shows she's a class act, and she's the captain of the side, and and she needs to lead by example. She, you know, that's we got a young squad, and and if she can come out and and hold her hands up when she's done something wrong, then it sets a great example. Exactly, and obviously, as you said, it's going to be a big miss for the next three games that she's going to miss. She's two Continental Cup games against Everton and Doncaster and, and the away game against Liverpool. But obviously, you've got the, the likes of Emily Westwood, who's an experienced veteran defender who can come in. Yeah. Well, it might, might be a reshuffle as well, you know, if he wants. He could go two at the back and just play Sargent and Mannion in as the back two, or like you say, bring Westwood in. So he's got options. Absolutely, and in the Man City game, East dropped Hayley Ladd back into the back four for that game, and she can obviously play there as well. Yeah, she's played centre-back before, yeah, so plenty of options that, that he can think about using to replace Keris for the next few games. Moving on to the second City goal then, it was a long throw from Megan Campbell. If you haven't seen Megan Campbell throw a ball, just uh, remember Rory Delap, and that's about right. Add a couple of yards on it, I think it's ridiculous. It was it was a ridiculous throw. Yeah. Je- Jennifer Beattie with a header, beating Berger. She probably wasn't in the best position. She had to dive across about two thirds of the goal to get to it. But from what I saw, it seemed like she thought the ball was going wide. Well, I saw it. I'll be honest. The first time I saw it, I thought that's a keeper error. Knowing Berger's quality, I thought that she should have got that. You know, she's she's good enough to stop that. But then 
by all accounts, she'd picked up a little injury as well before that. So that might have hampered the way she went for it. With Harrop gone off, as strange as it seems, it probably would have been Harrop challenging Beattie. But, you know, Beattie's got ahead of, I think it was Carter in the end and, and headed it into the net. And at that point, you, you know, it's, it's just deflation, really. Yeah, you pick up on the injury. It was, from what I saw, it was Steph Houghton going up with Anne Katrin Berger. They clashed heads and Berger was down for a good, good while. It looked like she was going to get stretched off at one point. They brought the stretcher yeah. out for her. Hence the seven minutes at the end, I suppose, yeah. They had the Man City club doctor check her over and he passed her to carry on playing. From some fans' point of view, it seemed like the fans thought she shouldn't have continued. It looked like she wasn't the same after that, but yeah. we'll, we'll have to find out later on if she if she gets rested for the next few games just to give her a chance to recover, but we'll we'll find out when they play, uh, obviously, Everton on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, the final goal then for City was a, another penalty. It seems like we're just going to concede penalties every other game at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's all we talk about we conceding another penalty yeah i think this one this one i have to hold my hands up there's, there's really no argument with this one but no stanway again she was clear for it yeah burger had to do something because it was going to be a goal otherwise anyway she, yeah stanway took it to the right she took it out wide which is the only reason that burger got a yellow card as opposed to a red for this she dragged her down in the box and it was uh, another penalty izzy christensen stepping up and sending burger the wrong way for the second time in the match which doesn't happen often because the penalties we've had so far this season chris she's gone the right way each time yeah, she has. She, she's she's worked him out pretty well, but Easy's a very good footballer. And I think even if Berger would have gone the right way, both of them were pretty much top left corner. So they were both very good penalties. By that time, the game's gone and we're pushing forward to try and get a late equaliser and a long ball over the top. Has put Stanway in and, and like you say, unfortunately, it's a definite penalty this time. And, and Easy tucks it away to secure the victory. Yeah, unfortunately so. Before we finish our discussion about this game, I want to draw our attention to Rachel Williams, who had one of the best games I've seen her since she's came back. She led the line brilliantly for 74 minutes. She played harassing everyone. She was like one step ahead of everyone. She seemed to know where the ball was going to go before all the defenders even tried to pass the ball. It was it was amazing to see her play that well. And obviously it was unfortunate that a minute after she went off, they scored the first goal. Yeah, and it's strange, isn't it? Because... If they get the equaliser a little bit earlier, you'd imagine Rachel would stay on for things like her strength at set pieces and willingness to run run defences down and, and worry them a little bit. It is just, unfortunately, it's typical, you know, that, that they get the equaliser as soon as she goes off. But when she was first with us back in 2011-12, you know, she was exactly the same. She, her energy levels are ridiculous. You know, nothing's a lost cause when Rach is on the pitch. And if she can keep working the way Mark wants her to work, you know, running in, into spaces and, and disrupting defences, then then she's going to cause havoc in this league. You know, and, it, and it'll bring everybody else into play. It is now time for our weekly segment, Loan Watch, as we look at how our free players on loan have done over the last seven days. Sophie Bagley was in goal against Reading for Bristol City this week, and it was a tough week for her as she conceded five Chris, did you see the highlights of this game? I felt sorry for so how things turned out in this one. We, we said about Bristol being a WSL1 team, but their defence is poor. You know, and she's going to have a lot of work to do this season. They conceded six at Chelsea, I think it was. That's right, yeah. And then five here against Reading as well, who appear to, to be in ruthless mood this time around. I didn't really put much blame at her door for any of the goals. You know, but defensively, Bristol have got a, a lot of work to do and you know, you hope that they can sort it around a little bit to to give Sophie a little bit more protection because if she doesn't, then she, there's not a lot she can do about it at times. 
No, exactly. The, the first goal, obviously, was a defensive error. The second goal, I thought Sophie could have done a bit better. She she obviously thought so. She got beaten at the near post. Yeah. And there was another few goals that she obviously reacted to, clearly thinking she should have got something on it, probably like the Jade Moore one, which went under her body. You go on these loan spells, and hopefully she learns from this and, and grows as a player. Yeah, obviously with with a team that's got recently promoted as well, you're gonna be, you're gonna be facing teams that are considered much better than you, and pl- when you're playing against the best teams, you're gonna get better as a player, obviously. Yeah, of course, absolutely. You know, you'd rather be playing the Chelseas and, and Arsenal's and Cities than than WSL two teams, because with all due respect, if she's gonna improve and get better than what she already is, then she needs to be playing the better teams. And uh, Chloe Peplow played in Emma Coates' final game for Doncaster Bells this week as Chloe played the final 29 minutes in a 6-0 win over Aston Villa. I bet you're happy with the result, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> not bad Chloe's result, back. yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure Chloe was delighted as well, to be fair, yeah. You know, she picked up an injury a couple of weeks ago, so hopefully now she's fully fit, get, getting down time, and I'm sure she'll be part of the, the Donny squad that come down on Sunday to St Andrews. And the final one, Coral Jade Haynes came on for the final 10 minutes against Watford for Spurs in a 1-1 draw. Probably being rested a bit, Chris, because she's been playing most of the games until now. She has, yeah. I think I think she picked up a little knock as well a week or so ago. So with the injuries that she's had over the last year and a bit, obviously it'd be tough for her to play week in, week out every game for, for Spurs this season. But So managing her... And making sure that she's she's okay when she is playing, you know, that she's not being overworked is is important for her development. And if she starts the next game and plays an hour or so, just making sure she's back to full fitness and, and then she'll be raring to go, I'm sure. Our main topic for this week is local derbies. In the same week that the Birmingham men's side took on Aston Villa, I spoke to a few Blues players to discuss the prospect of a second city derby in the women's game. Here's Maddie Kusak. Very playing teams like Man City, it kind of feels like the same atmosphere, like you wanting to like play against a really good team, wanting to get the right results. So. As someone who's come through the Villa youth team and moved to Birmingham, would you like to see Villa get into the WSL one, one day so you can have the local derby each year? Yeah, it'd be great to see loads of like different new teams coming into the WSL one. It's great to see other teams have the opportunity to see if they can make a go at it. Next up, Aoife Mannion. I love derby matches, um, as you say, second city derbies, so yeah, definitely. It's a great rivalry. Did you give any advice to the likes of Abby Lee Scranger or um, Maddie Kosak, the latest one to join from Villa since they joined the club? Uh, well, we're all the same age, so um, they're quite confident people and players, um, so I have the confidence that they can do their jobs properly. We always give words of encouragement to each other, um, and so that's it really. Yeah. Finally, we spoke to Abby Lee Stringer. As someone who's played for Villa yourself, yeah. do you think there's a rivalry there in the women's game the same as the men's? Yeah, obviously. I've played them a few times while I was playing for Birmingham love playing against them because obviously the old club but yeah definitely I think anyone you play there's always a rivalry I think but it's, it's special when it's uh, obviously Aston Villa yeah having played for Villa did you get any any stick or anything after you came back so I came to Birmingham went back to Villa yeah. and come back to Birmingham to be a fair it wasn't, wasn't too bad I thought I'd get more stick than I thought so it wasn't too bad have you given any advice to Maddie Cossack? She's like the latest one to come from Villa to, to Birmingham. She is. She's probably like one of my closest mates, actually. I used to talk to her when she was at Villa. We stopped overnight in a room with her, so she's doing really well. I think she's training really well. I think when she gets a lucky break, 
should do really well for us. And um, would you like to see Villa eventually get into WSL 1 and so you can get the, the local rival every twice every year? I'd love it. But we've got in the WSL um, 1, we've got a lot of competition as it is, but obviously bringing Villa in is always a bit special. With Aston Villa currently bottom of the WSL 2, it might not happen anytime soon, but it is an interesting concept. As the FA look to restructure the women's football pyramid, it might become a reality for the city of Birmingham if Villa ladies apply for a professional licence. As someone who went to the nil-nil draw at St Andrews this past weekend, Chris, how much does this fixture mean to you? Listen, you know, whether it's men or women in Blues Villa related, is is pretty big to anybody who supports both sides. You know, I think we played them a couple of times in the Continental Cup a few years ago. I remember a really big win at Villa. I think seven-one. I think it was in the Carney and Potter era and things like that. So. Will be it'll be a big game and and the three girls you mentioned have been involved with Villa as well who you spoke so so for them as well I'm sure it, it'll be big for them having represented both teams that they know exactly what Derby atmosphere is like and and what the feelings of both sides are so Villa are certainly one of those that that would have the money if they wanted to apply for the WSL one license they'd certainly be one that that could push for that WSL one space. Uh, Birmingham is a bit of an anomaly, Chris, in the WSL 1. Um, with uh, Notts County's demise, we're the only Midland club in the top flight. With London and the North uh, dominating the league, I believe another Midland club could boost the popularity of the women's game around us. The likes of, as uh, like you said, Chelsea, Arsenal can bring in the fans by having like a local fixture where fans can get to see their team to get one over on the local rivals. Do, do you think of the lack of a local Derby hampers clubs? Me personally, and I think I know a few other Blues ladies fans, they enjoyed the Notts County games because that was our local derby and there used to be a little bit of spice between the two. I think Derby have applied already announced that their their plans are to apply for a WSL1 spot, so that would be a little bit closer. I, I think definitely if, if there's a local team around, then, then it'll, it'll definitely benefit the, the league. Next up, we look towards the back end of the week and our games against Everton and Doncaster Bells. We will keep it brief on the Everton game as you'll probably listen to this after the game has taken place. We beat them 2-1 in the league earlier last month. What do you think will happen as we travel up to Widnes, Chris? I mean, it's a horrible pitch. So I think the pitch becomes a little bit of a leveller. But, you know, we've shown over the last few few games that our technical ability is up there and it's improving every week. I have faith in the girls to, to nullify that leveller, if you like. So hopefully a, a similar result to the league game and get a win and a confidence booster again and get back to winning ways after the Man City game. The pitch is always a talking point when you play at Liverpool and Everton in Widnes, Chris. Yeah. Uh, can, you, can you see Mark resting certain players to prevent potential injuries? I don't think the, the risk of injury will make force his hands to change things. I think, I think the fact that there's going to be three games in the space of a week and a half might. We've got this one, then Doncaster on Sunday and then and then back to league action the week after with Liverpool. So two games in the space of 11 days at that ground is going to be tough going on. So it wouldn't surprise me if he, he did make a, f- a few changes and then different players played in, in the Liverpool game. Yeah, indeed, indeed with like the uh, it being a cup game, he could be trying out different ideas for that pitch because obviously you're playing a game on it, so you're going to be able to test new things ready for the Liverpool game in the league. Exactly. Obviously, you want to win the game, but it's almost like a training session, isn't it? You know, to get used to the pitch, knowing that you're going to be back on it in in a few days' time in a league game against Liverpool. Predictions, Chris. What do you think the score is going to be? I think Everton will score, uh, but we'll win two-one. 
I was going to say that, so I'm going to give it a 2-1 as well, Chris. Moving on then, we will turn to the Doncaster game on Sunday. It will take place at St Andrews due to a fixture clash with Solihull Moors in the FA Cup. So it will be a different experience for the players. What kind of effect do you think it, playing at St Andrews will have on the team, Chris? Last season, Liverpool came here to St Andrews and they were the better side. So I'm hoping that um, it's it's a different outcome this time round. Doncaster will come looking forward to playing at a ground like St Andrews. But obviously our girls will as well. You'd hope that there's a, a decent crowd in and it raises the game for, for Blues. From what I remember from the highlights of that game, Chris, didn't Birmingham hit the bar like four times? Yeah, I think Frida <laughs> hit the bar three times, yeah. So, again, we were a little bit unlucky not to score, but Liverpool did look good, to be fair. Yeah, they, they passed the ball around really well and they got their full backs forward and they, they played pretty well on the day. So, um, I'm hoping that the luck changes this time around and, and the ball drops a couple of inches lower when we have our shot. One of the lasting memories I had from uh, the game we played against Doncaster at uh, Solihull Moors back in early 2016, I think it was, was a Donny fan with a bell ringing it. Yeah. Can you remember anything about that 2-1 win, Chris? Not a lot, no. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I think any time a team plays Doncaster, that's, that's the fans' overriding memory, that bell. I'm sure it'll be in attendance again, but Doncaster have had probably a little bit disappointing starts to the season, if they're, if they're being truthful, but... Again, they got confidence after the Villa win, so I'm sure they'll be flying and really looking forward to playing at St Andrews. I'll give you the scores from last time, Chris. Natasha Dowie. Oh yes, that was right. Yeah, and then we were—I think we were two-one up at half-time. I think so. That's right. It was. Um, yeah. Hopefully, this is a good omen. Frida Easy scored in that game, <laughs> so combine her hits on the bar with a goal last time against Doncaster. We're going to get. She'll be top scorer, yeah. She'll be top scorer by the time. (laughs) And uh, Mel Lawley got the other goal in that game when we won 2-1. It's always a dangerous time to face a side, Chris, when the manager lists. With Emma Coates going to leave her role at Doncaster, should we be wary of their threat? Um, I think we should be wary of their their potential, whether it was Emma in charge or not. But um, a new manager comes in or a caretaker manager, everybody will be trying to impress. It's, It's like everybody gets a new slate. Coates, for those unaware, is leaving the club to take up a role with the national team, working with the under-18s, 19s and under-20s with England. We at the Great Since 68 podcast wish her well in her new role, helping to develop the likes of Franz Stenson when they go on international duty. Back to the game though, Chris. No Chloe Peplo with her being cup-tied, but Doncaster will have a lot of tacking threat, having scored 14 goals in the first four league games. They will, and and, and like I say, coming off the back of a 6-0 win, their confidence will be high and... And, and they'll be looking forward to it. Obviously, they've lost Sweetman Kirk over the summer, which was disappointing for them. But scoring six goals in a game shows that they've got goals from other places as well. Yeah, but uh, Rebecca Rayner is their top scorer at the moment with four goals. But you've also got Kirsty Hansen and Christy Murray both yeah. on three goals. Murray's a decent player, yeah. If Mark rotates the squad as he did in the Oxford game, it will be a good challenge for the up-and-coming Blues players right now against this team in form. Yeah, you know, and, and like you say, if, you, if he gives a couple of the of the younger players a chance then it's against the WSL2 side that that you know if they were to drop down a level they'd be playing week in week out so it'd be a good test to, to see where they are and predictions Chris what are you going to go for I'm going to go 3-1 to Blues I think we'll keep a clean sheet I will go 3-0 
And that's all for this week's show. You've been listening to the Great Since 68 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us so you can receive the show every week as soon as it comes out. Just search for Dancing Part Dames on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and any other podcast platform you use. You can also follow us on Twitter at Great Since 68. Or for our personal accounts, you can follow me at Craig P. Hadley with a double E on the end. And Chris, how can they find you? Yeah, uh, on Twitter at A-W-C-A-I-B. Thanks for everyone for listening and remember, keep right on. <laughs>